Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the SMS Text News podcast. With me this week, I have Ewan McLeod, James Watley. Hey. Hello. And, All right. And special guest, Alfie Denham from Moblog. SMS Text News. Alfie, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? How are you, uh, Dan? Good, good. Um, what do you do? What's what's Moblog? Tell us a bit about that for those who don't know you already. Well, um, Moblog has just relaunched on a new platform, and it's just a mobile blogging platform. Uh, and what's interesting, I think, is that you know we started in 2003, me and a friend of mine, Matt. And um, since then, um, although we've been around since the sort of genesis of this mobile blogging and citizen journalism and what it all means and helping define that, but along the road. Everyone else has gone, <clears throat> well, actually, you know, we really need to support um, the emergent mobile internet and the ability to post from handsets and mobile devices. So from then to now is a long time to have not really launched a completely new platform. Um, so what Mobblog is, is basically a mobile blogging platform for both consumers and for brands to leverage mobile blogging technologies, whether that's SMS or MMS, or whether it's browser upload through a mobile handset, um, or even voice calling. Um, so that's the core of what um, Moblog is. But you, you guys have actually been doing this for way longer than all these other companies, before the whole Web 2.0 thing came along. I mean, I remember using it when I was using a, an old Ericsson, I think it was a T68 with a little clip-on camera. I remember um, you using it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, you know, and it's been a funny, a funny old road getting here. Um, where we are right now is just at this incredibly exciting point where we can actually go. Hang on a second, we've created a platform which um, is more easy to blog with, we believe, than anything else that's out there. You can blog by calling a number. We are partnered with Spinbox for that. You can blog by SMS or MMS, email, browser upload. You can. Probably blog telepathically, but we're just working on that last <laughs> now. And the next major focus area for us is then getting an API out the door. We're really working hard on um, stabilizing, not that it's terribly unstable, but really getting the new platform uh, you know, under, under control. Can I ask so, a question, Alfie? Go on, Ian. Well, I was just wondering, I remember we've covered quite a lot of partners that you've been working with. The, the one that springs to mind was um, uh, Channel 4 and the big, big art mob. Uh, you know, how are things going with partners? Well, in terms of Channel 4, those are very much a client. And um, it's quite funny in a way. Like We've never taken any funding. We're a completely privately held company. And um, I'm sure that one of the reasons for that is that our business model is kind of weird. You know, a VC looks at us and goes, hang on, you know, you license your base platform technology to clients. You license to brands who then have Moblogs within Moblog. You also have a freemium premium model and advertising. Now, guys, you're doing too much. <laughs> Channel 4 are that sort of top-level client which we'll um, license our platform to. Um, and we've licensed that once more to a public arts company in Folkestone called The Strange Cargo Company um, for something called Other People's Photographs too, which we're really cool with doing. Like, we'll totally um, license out a platform for its non-competing and quite cool. But in terms of partners, you know, our core partners right now are really, you know, Spinbox and Shozu. Shozu in that they, they just provide one-click upload and we provide Shozu to all of our users. On, on picking up on the Shozu uh, angle, um, I was gonna, I've, I've had this point around and it's one of the, one of the great things I like about Moblog. Um, Moblog, Moblog. Moblog, Moblog. How, 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 what is the preferred pronunciation? 
Well, there isn't. Re- well, I, I I prefer Moblog because it makes sense. But there's actually <laughs> there's actually a voice and video group Moblog. One of the things we introduced in new platform is groups, and there's one which is just people going, "Look, it's Moblog, okay, and this is why." <laughs> <laughs> I, I posted a while ago just this kind of rant of is mob blogging blogging because blogging comes preloaded with a whole bunch of ideas and associations for the general public. It's just naming conventions, about. isn't it? Yeah, it is for us. But for when, you know, someone, as you guys like to call them, normobs, um, here blogging, they just get this huge wave of association with, you know, very overweight men sitting in darkened rooms writing rants about, like, Bush Obama. <laughs> it's true, they do. So for me, you know, trying to bring this idea of mobile blogging to a more mass audience is like, well, what is it exactly? Is it sharing? No, that's really annoying. Um, but it's definitely on my mind. You know, how do you... And we, we tend to do that through our clients, I think, um, who then get their you know, their users to send stuff up just to a number. And they don't know that they're blogging, but they are blogging. They don't know they're blogging, but they are blogging. Yeah. Like you that. know, they're sending a picture up. <laughs> like that. Yeah, sending a picture yeah. message, but all of a sudden that one action has turned them into a blogger. Well, it does now in terms of the, the mobile platform because they'll get a text back saying, thanks for posting to the Ronan Keating Moblog. Click here to complete sign up. One of the critical things in the new platform is that our clients can then have their own terms and conditions appended to ours as, you know, as far as they do not go over each other. So you can basically say in your terms and conditions by posting to the Ronan Keating Moblog, Ronan Keating is allowed to contact you via SMS, via email about Moblog related activity. So we're essentially creating this kind of channel partner based area within Moblog where um, the client actually gets a lot more out of it. You know, they, they build this database of engaged people. And then, yeah, sorry, just to come back to the point, the user's got this text message, which they then follow up to the mobile version of Moblog. Alfie, I wanted sorry. to ask you about um, those partners. Whenever you've mentioned Boyzone, well, sorry, not Boyzone, but Rolling Keating in particular, um, I, always, uh, I always get very excited um, because it's bringing mobile to the, directly to the consumer, as you point out, they don't care whether they're blogging or not. They want their picture up on the site. Um, you know, can you take us to I a minute? Mean, who else are you working with? Um, well, most recently we were working with Oxfam, WaterAid, and Greenpeace for the Glastonbury Festival for something called Leave No Trace, which was really fascinating and was kind of to show off the new platform because we weren't live at that time. But it was to build this live map of Glastonbury using the Nokia N82 geotagging handsets and the N78s, I think, as well. So like all the all the charities were cruising around the, the farm, taking points of interest and then just sending them straight up. So hundreds of pieces of content were going up. How are you seeing the users using Moblog now versus one and a half, two years ago? Well, uh, one of our major one of our major problems previously was that sign up was very difficult. We'd we'd built a system which had you know security at its core, and our and our posting mechanism was quite was quite anxious for users. A, a, you know, a normal mob would have a hard time getting it working. So what we've noticed and seen um, is just a much much greater volume of posts, and also a much faster sign up to first blog period. 
So you've got guys where previously might have taken a day to have got the first post up, now doing it within like 60 seconds. Excellent. Um, let's move it on now. And uh, Ewan, I believe you wanted to talk about threes, hoodies, and Christmas. It's a, it's a bit wrong for Christmas in uh, this time of the year, isn't it? All shall be revealed. Yes, well, the, the, um, the, the first point uh, I wanted to make is I was walking by Baker Street, uh, the three store in Baker Street, and now and again I just pay no attention to mobile phone stores, and then I go through... A an epiphany. I go, oh my god, wow, look at this, look at this. Um, so in in the three store, I just just walking by, and normally I'll walk by and just see if they've got any special offers on. Uh, but generally, I'm ignoring them. Today, I uh, I saw a sign in the window saying no hoodies. Um, I actually took the uh, took a picture of the sign. And I've blogged it. Uh, I just thought, thought it was quite a fascinating insight into this particular three store. You, you don't see them in any other. I haven't seen it in any other three store. I looked at the ones on Oxford Street um, uh, today, and uh, they were free from no hoodie signage. But this one on Baker Street apparently must be suffering from an onslaught of um, youths wearing uh, wearing hoodies because it's very big, bold characters saying, "Don't come in. You're not going to be served. Take your hoodies off. Uh, no hoodies." <laughs> of hoodies. Okay. Yeah. Can we can we can we just just for you know um, journalistic integrity? Let's let's read out the sign. It says. All hoods to be removed while on premises. Refusal to comply will result in persons being asked to leave the premises. Thank you. I don't think it's as aggressive as as you were saying. Um, and it does say all hoods to be removed. So it's not like you have to take your hoodie off. Just just pull the hood down. And do you not do you not think it is a bit intimidating for shop staff if I, if like four or five kids all come in with their hoods up and baseball caps on so you can't see their faces? I think it uh, most certainly is. Um, someone on on the post that I made uh, uh, on the post I made yesterday uh, said, "Well, um, that's why you have to take your head, uh, your your uh, cycle helmet off, you know, your your uh, motorcycle helmet off if you walk into a building." Uh, well, it doesn't say that on the three store. It doesn't say, "Do not uh, come in here with your motorcycle helmet on." It doesn't say, "Do not come in here with a cap on." It doesn't say, "Do not come in here with a mask either." Do not come in, you know, with a particular type it of haircut. Says, do not, it also doesn't say, do not come in with an axe, but no one else is going to do that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I went and I wrote um, 30 suggestions for um, three. Uh, so I do advise having a look at those. The second thing I wanted to talk about here with three is Christmas is coming. Very, very, in, tomorrow, actually. Um, and that's because they have a blogger meet um, a blogger party or, or announcement or launch. I'm not quite clear, actually. I need to look at the email. Yes. Oh, that's odd. Um, my, my invite must have been lost in the post. Yeah, did you, when you find it, Dan, can you look for mine as well? Yeah, yours and mine as well. <laughs> well, you're, you're all most welcome to come along, I'm sure. Um, Yay! Hey. But you guys all might be busy. Um, it's a Christmas is coming uh, blogger uh, launch, let's call it a launch. Um, and what they're doing is giving the opportunity for bloggers to find out about their Christmas lineup. Their mm. Christmas lineup? Yeah. But Christmas, but Christmas is at least a decade away in terms of the mobile yeah. industry. Well, it's not. It's not. They're, they're having to standardize the handsets now. They're having to test them now. They're having to choose what products and, and, and the marketing you know, um, uh, machine is having to be put into place right now for, for the, you know, the, the October, November, December uh, lineup. So they, they've obviously got the handsets um, and the plans in place. So I'm going along tomorrow uh, to have a look at some devices, apparently, to have some trials. Apparently, um, although uh, on the email that I um, uh, I, I received, 
uh, from Sam at Free Mobile Buzz. He was saying, um, "No hoods." Uh, <laughs> he said, he said you, and, "You can come along, but we have to. We have to insist. No, no hoodies, please." I pray you to go on with a hoodie. I double dare you to go there with a with a hoodie. <laughs> and I'm, I must just say, on the one thing with Christmas, I mean, uh, Jemima Kiss, I think, on Twitter was saying it should be illegal or against some kind of marketing code to mention Christmas before December 1st. The, the email says, uh, three have very kindly given us an invitation to the Christmas in July event. This would normally be open to the trade, uh, but it's a chance for you to get the lowdown on their latest mobile gizmos. You'll be able to investigate their upcoming products and methods of accessing the web. We've been promised a couple you won't know about yet before the mm. Christmas Telepathy. A method mm. of accessing the internet that we don't know about. <laughs> It might have been that. Um, it Can you might have been that, the internet now. It might have been that, um, that super top secret thing you and I saw the other night, Dan. But it might not be. We'll see. Oh, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, James. No one shows me anything top secret, and even if they did, I certainly wouldn't comment on it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm joking. Carry yes, on. it was a hilarious joke, and everyone laughed profusely. <laughs> well, there, there you go. So um, stand oh, yeah, by. We- I'm- I'm going to be doing some quicking, if I can. Um, I might even take the camera. I d- I'm not sure what to expect. I'm really quite interested to, to know, I, and I just hope it's not going to be some boring, you know, insert a boring Nokia, insert a boring Sony. You know, <laughs> this is going to be our Christmas lineup. How depressing. Well, no, I, I think they should they should have some of these boring handsets because, you know, some people do, would prefer to have a handset that is just a phone. So, so what there, kind there of should thing? be some of that in there, but there should also be some really nice high-end stuff, like the N96 and the E71. Mm, mm. What kind of thing would float your boat, Ewan? What kind of thing would really go, wow, that's amazing? Um, I, I'd be pretty impressed if um, if there was some all-singing-all-dancing um, Windows Mobile, perhaps. You know, a really nice um, HTC device. I knew you were going to say HTC. I just knew it. Wow. Um, but if- but somehow I just I just thought well you know uh, what's Ewan going to be able to actually get excited about next? He has everything. I think with reading reading SMS text news, you essentially buy you actually go and buy about four or five handsets a week. I'm like Actually, having having seen Ewan, having seen Ewan's desk, he does actually seem to obtain new handsets every week. Well, I um I I just um, I wonder what three can do to make me go hmm. And also by by dint there make you guys go oh that's quite cool. What we, I think the N96 yeah if if they're going to support it um, then 95 8 gig yeah well that's that's already here um, and E71 maybe maybe the yeah. three have always had a very good relationship with Sony Ericsson and I think maybe yeah. it might be a, a C905 announcement for quarter four which is a really awesome sounding handset you know, five megapixels geotagging is standard. Are you hearing silence here, Alfie? Sorry, I think I think we're just all blown away about how professional that just sounded. Yeah, two nine five nice man. Yeah, this is the SMS text news podcast. We just we just you know we've never heard things like an announcement for Q4 before on here. I'm looking forward to that handset. I mean, I must admit, you know, I've always been a Sony Ericsson um, fanboy, but I am much more now of a Nokia UI person. But that C905 looks sexy. I want it. Mm. Mm. Well, I'll have the details tomorrow morning. I'm there from 11, and um, I'm just seriously hoping it's not a boring... Uh, so, yeah, they have done really good things. The Skype phone, um, yeah. with gold, etc. Et yeah, I'm hoping it's good. good oh, news. Yeah, there's a, there's a new version of the Skype phone, isn't there? 
Mm, see, that that might be one of the things. Yes. And you've missed that for about that. That was leaked recently. You know, I, I, I made the mistake of um, of emailing and saying, will there be Wi-Fi there? Because obviously I want to do some live blogging in the chat. wrote back going, no, there will be <laughs> free mobile broadband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a clue as to uh, as to what they're offering. Put down your Motorola razors and burn those phone holsters. You're listening to SMS Text News. So next up, um, I'm going to talk a bit about the iPhone, and hopefully you guys uh, can give us your unique spin on it, James. Well, it'd be, it'd be very interesting to get Alfie's uh, viewpoint um, on the Definitely, iPhone as well. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. The first, the first thing I want to talk about is um, the, the third-party apps. That's probably the major bit mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of, of the new release. Um, and, you know, I've been playing with it for, what, half a week now, downloading loads of applications, and it's all very good. But the main thing that, that seems to come around is that there's this NDA in place for all the application developers. They have to be accepted into this program to write apps. And this NDA tells, uh, says that the, the, the early developers can't go around telling people all these big secrets about how the UEs are, are made and so on. So the, the problem here is that you can't open source that application because obviously you'd be giving away some secret thing that Apple don't want you to know about or want you to share with people. And so there's no code on there that contains GPL code or any open source stuff that requires you to share that thing you've made with it later on. So there's no Adium, which is probably the best uh, instant message client for the Mac. The guys who do Net Newswire have done an iPhone port, but they're saying that they, they're having trouble developing it because on the desktop they share everything and they have thousands of beta testers. For the iPhone, they can't do that because they can't share all this pre-release code like that. So it's interesting how, how that this sort of uh, method that Apple have put in place to streamline delivering applications to people because their legal guys have got hold of it in a certain way they, uh, they're, kind of in, they're kind of stifling the innovation a bit there. You're right, of course you're right I mean it's a hundred steps back for the mobile industry and I've always felt that way about the iPhone but it's because it's been a hundred yeah. steps back. Well in terms of the way that the handset and software application market has developed especially in Europe in terms of open sourcing stuff um, making things available, um, being able to easily install third-party applications on your device. The Apple iPhone is a hundred steps back in that regard. Yeah, I think I think we, a lot of us have said, have said, oh, you know, the App Store is brilliant. It's it's really what what should have happened. It's getting third-party apps in. But we were really comparing that to the original iPhone, which had no third-party support out the box. When Alfie says it's steps back. The original iPhone was, and I think they've kind of taken some of the steps forward to bring it back. Yeah, the new the new iPhone is really quite spanky. Um, <laughs> would you do a um, can you see uh, a Moblog client well yeah we will of course use Moblog client <laughs> well I mean the thing the thing about MMS as a you know protocol is quite, it's interesting because it's never particularly worked well anywhere um, it works very well at certain times of the year like Valentine's so I kind of understand especially because it's from the states and like well we don't use MMS why should we um, but what I do not understand is why shouldn't we actually have all the applications simply as browser applications, you know, and um, you just, you know, visit a good XHTML site and use it? Um, this was one of the things that came up uh, in a presentation at Momo recently where um, Google were talking about how their version of Gears for the mobile phone is going to basically um, be a standalone web browser that enables uh, hooks into things like the GPS, camera, and so on from... Mm. Um, and it enables those as HTML extensions. So you'll just be able to write a web page and be able to call things like 
if it's nine. got a camera, take a photo from within the web page, from a web app. And I think that's that's what's really limiting uh, what you were talking about there. Yeah, totally. And that's obviously the way things are going to go. Who knows, maybe uh, OS 3, right? So one of the other things was, um, that one of the big things I was looking forward to was the third-party push notifications, but something somehow I'd missed in the announcement that they're not going to be on until September. So things like AIM really are quite useless at the moment because you can only have one application open at a time, which kind of makes sense. But, um, you only have one application open at a time? My yeah. God. Oh no, my God. no, listen. does make sense. If you look at your N95, I'm how many applications in. do you have running at one time? How many, how, many, how many things do you install if you install a lot of applications that leave something running in the background? I normally run about three or four things at the same time because it's a smartphone. I'm a smart guy. I like running things at the same time. All right, but their, their point was that if you're running loads and loads of applications, and what they're, what they're talking about is things like AIM, where you'll run the AIM client and it'll stay open in the background, and then you'll run like a Jabber client and that'll stay open in the background, and then you basically all your, your games run like crap and it's not very good. And I think that's you something I experienced when I was down. using Windows that's Mobile. If, I, if you've got like 10 apps open on my N95 and suddenly my phone's slowing down, well, maybe I should sh shut something down. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you're, you, man, you're a kid. Yeah, but you know to shut those apps down. If you're an end user and you've just opened all these apps because it's just like on your computer and you can open all these apps and then it's running slow, you're just going to look at it and go, oh, this iPhone's rubbish. It's so slow. And that's I what they wanted to avoid. I, I mean, they I wanted to make sure that the end user, point. the average normob, doesn't experience any any slowdown or any poor experience like that. It'd be and nice to have the option, but that's just not how they do it. Completely justify the um, uh, the sort of benevolent dictatorship of your complete OS. I think I kind of agree with James. I mean, I don't believe that a normal who is a computer user who has five applications open and then their phone starts running slowly is really going to be too uh, confused. I think we're, you know, we know that yeah, I we don't need Lots of and it's going to freeze, you know? Yeah, I don't entirely agree with, you know, completely cutting it off, but I do understand where they're coming from. Um, but to get around that, what they did is they set aside um, this, or they set up this uh, service where they can push notifications straight to the handset. And so I think um, the way it works is you have uh, an application like AIM, and it logs you on, and it's got a server-side component. And when you close the app, your service, the server-side component keeps you logged in. And when a message comes in, it sends a push message down to the handset that says, ah, here's an AIM message, pop up AIM, or pop up a message. Uh -huh. So they've kind of worked around it slightly. Uh, but that's not out till September, which makes AIM quite useless. Next up, <laughs> I wanted to talk about O2, who I got my, uh, who, who, my, uh, who is the network operator for my iPhone 3G. And as you probably heard last week, I had a bit of trouble getting everything uh, That's the understatement um, of the week. <laughs> a little bit of trouble. My experience with O2 has not been without issues. They finally activated me uh, during the week um, after I lost my temper with them. And uh, everything has kind of just started working and so on. But I was porting my T-Mobile number into them. And my T-Mobile number stopped working on Friday. And I don't know if anyone's ported the number. I presume most of our listeners have. But for those who haven't been through the process... What happens is uh, you ring up T-Mobile and say, can I have a pack, which is a unique identifier to drag your number across. Give that to your uh, to your new operator, and then they do some magic, which uh, ports the number across. And when the number's taken away from T-Mobile, they deactivate your SIM and cancel, close your account for you. So my, my T-Mobile account was cancelled and closed at about 4 p.m. on Friday. Since then, my T-Mobile number has played back an amusing error message saying, uh, this number cannot be connected. Please dial 100 to talk to the BT Cellnet operator. 
and nothing has changed on my iPhone 3G SIM card. And that's been, what, three days now. Brilliant. That's some, that's mm. some good work there, O2. While we're on the subject of O2, they've been leaking customer data this week, or for God knows how long. Uh, someone someone else picked up that um, there's a certain Google query you can uh, type in, which shows you the contents of quite a few people's MMS messages. <clears throat> yeah, it's basically an unsecured web page with a very simple identifier. Uh-huh. And uh, you can go to this web page. They disabled it, I think, late yesterday or early this morning once everyone started talking about it. Uh, but the idea was you just type a string into Google and you see... I think it was a uh, hundred or so MMS messages, and it had the picture, the message, and the sender's mobile number, all completely oh there, God. unencrypted, wow. without any kind of security. My Lord. Can you imagine? They've never handled MMS well. About nearly two years ago, they changed the way that they handle MMS to email from the handset, and um, they decided, well, if someone's sending MMS to email, it means that they're sending it to a person. There's no way that they're sending it to an online service, which will take that email and then push it into a web page. So, of course, they broke, like Flickr, Moblog, and they'd basically gone, oh, all right, so we're just going to send um, we're gonna send a link to save on bandwidth or something so that you just follow it to a web page that we push you at. So perhaps this is an extension of that and just the same old system. But they've never yeah. been good with NMS. They've always done weird things. Well, I've only been a customer of theirs for a week, and so far they've not been good with anything. <laughs> May I take this opportunity to say, though, actually, that none of the operators are very good at MMS. It's a bloody standard, okay? Just write it properly to the standard, and then send it. Don't do weird things. Don't wrap the text from the body of the message in a text file and append it weirdly and inaccessibly somewhere. Really gets me. Anyway. I think, I think what Alfie's trying to say is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. Good rule. Now I've finished ranting about O2 and the iPhone. <coughs> I think you've got another two weeks worth of rant in you, though, given that you did waste a whole day of your entire life. Ah, oh, dear. Ewan. What's happening with your pro- private mobile network? Well, um, if you recall, I, uh, I borrowed this private mobile network from Teleware, and uh, they've been uh, very good in not asking for it back immediately. Uh, so what I've done is I've handed it over to uh, the geek of the century in the form of Jay Fenton, who was on the podcast, I think it was number 12. Is that right? Yeah, yeah he, he, was, was, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and he is currently working on a mammoth review uh, of of the device. I'm looking forward to seeing what he makes of it because he, I mean, my my tests were pretty appalling. I.e., I switched the machine on, I switched all four of the uh, the tough phones on that came with it. I was absolutely tickled pink that I could make a call on it. Um, I I got my dad to go and stand at the other end of the garden. Um, and I phoned him on it. Yeah, hey, it works. Um, so Jay, Jay is uh, working on a little bit more of a comprehensive perspective, so that's going to be coming shortly. As listeners probably know, I, I, I happen to work with Jay, and uh, the other day he was telling me about uh, some of the things that he's been doing with it, and it sounds amazing. And just without actually having any hands-on experience with it, I know I want one. <laughs> They're like 20 grand, and I have to have one. It sounds... Amazing! It's just, Why do you need I, to have one? I haven't figured that bit out yet, but I, I do need one. I have to have one. Well, I really look forward to hearing what Jay's been using it for. Then, I mean, if you, I mean, we probably are in as much debt as the rest okay. of us have to have one for twenty grand. Then, <laughs> okay, let, let me. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one sneak preview of what he told me, mm. and that was, 
when you do a scan of the networks in your area, you can name what your network comes up on all the handsets that scan in your area. Oh, I couldn't work out how to do that. <laughs> I have a picture of, um, of it on my that's iPhone. Worth, that's worth um, 20 grand right there. <laughs> I was, um, uh, I got my brother to use his iPhone actually to, to do a, a you know, show me all the networks in the area. And the unit comes up uh, by default as 001, 34. And I tell you, I would have paid a lot of money to have it come up saying Ewan. Ewan.net. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he said you can. You can do that. You can name uh, a network. Um, yeah. So, really looking forward to see what Jay uh, thinks of it. Actually, I, I wonder if we could bring bring it along to the next uh, SMS text news on the drinks, uh, so we can all see it and have a play with it. I mean, the, the only I think you need to speak to Jay because you you have to get permission. Uh, your IMEI number for your handset has to be on the box for you to connect yeah. to. It, I think there might be an option oh. to switch that off. Uh, but just for security. I uh, I think actually you should you should you should bring it around my house. Right. It sounds it sounds like a really awesome sort of Wi-Fi router for mobile for GSM. Well, you can. Oh, I wonder if Jay's going to touch on this because you can actually plug it in to uh, an IP connection, either a satellite or just your standard IP connection, and it will uh, backhaul directly through the telework systems onto the the main public telephone networks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great for offices um, where you where you're using VoIP, but you want people to be able to just walk in and use their existing mobiles, and then mm. when they leave, you know, it's like the ultimate fixed mobile convergence device. It sounds um, immensely hackable as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I saw the pictures that you and posted up, and it and it said, uh, I think it's something like no user serviceable parts inside, and I, I think I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> we cracked crack that baby open. There's there's some serviceable parts in there, I'm sure. We'll just we'll just plug something in there. By the time it leaves Dan's possession, you'd only be able to activate it with an RFID chip. Having said that, you you know I was talking about making my own mobile phone. Mm. Yeah. Anyone see my Jackie yesterday? No, 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 I'm going to Jackie I, now. What tell us I misconnect I misconnected something and blew up my GSM module. Oh, no. I was so excited about your mobile phone. <laughs> I keep on doing that myself. <laughs> what was it gonna look like? Was it did it have like an Optimus Prime body? Or was it No, it it, it looked it looked awesome. But anyway, it's dead now. Um I'll probably Jesus, resurrect it um, in a in a month or so. But uh yeah, it's like I couldn't I couldn't kill one of the Cheap components. They have to be the most expensive component. Anyway, Ooh, that can't. That's, that's not nice, mate. I feel your pain. I have had. I have had this in my hand when we when we recorded the podcast at Dan's place. The uh, the excitement. It was like um. It was like that scene in Space when they wheeled out the robot for Robot Wars. <laughs> it actually looks just as gimpy as the robot as well. Um, it's not been it's not been my week for mobiles really. I'd like to hand over to James to to tell us all uh, about evangelism because I, I I contacted him last week and said, listen, uh, car from warehouse O2 and all the troubles we've been having. What do you reckon should be done? And uh, he went away and created this rather long, rather cool piece about um, evangelism. So over to you, James. Uh, yeah, uh, hello. Um, basically, uh, to give the listeners a bit more of an insight, um, it's basically, if you haven't read it, then go and read it. Um, and, and to be honest, I wanted to bring it up in this chat here, because ideally, uh, you, everyone's read my opinion, which I'll go over in a minute, um, but I want to get your guys' opinions. I mean, you and dropped me a note last week just saying, look, you've got to read what's being saying right now. 
um, tell me how would you have done this? You know, what's, what's the James Watley point of view? Because isn't that pretty much what you do for Spinbox? And I was like, well, yeah, actually it is. And, uh, and this is what I would do. Um, and it's and the tools are simple. I mean, I was sitting there um, and it was about eight o'clock in the evening and I was writing this post. And I thought, you know, it's quite simple to do a brand management kind of rep- reputation management just by setting up some Google alerts. I thought, I wonder if I could do it for them. I literally set up a Google alert, went and made myself a cup of tea, came back again, and all the stuff was there. I could have done it there and then. And, you know, that was the key point that came out of that post for me, the actual, the complete and utter ease of use that it is for any big company, small, sorry, any company, small or large, be you in mobile or not in mobile, to do some online brand management and reputation management. You know, it's, it's, it's easy. The tools are there. And Carphone Warehouse uh, and or O2, I think it was, it was aimed at Carphone Warehouse, wasn't it, traditionally, the whole post, you know, could do well with having some online backup in this department. The, the point I made was there are people in store, there are people on the end of the phone, but who's out there online keeping an eye out? So opening that out, what, what do you guys think? Do you think product evangelists are a new role that should be... Yeah, every every company. I mean, but, evangelist is just so weird for me that to, to, I, I I don't know if that's even really what it is because you're basically just saying the whole time this is awesome, but really what you're talking about is PR, good PR. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about someone who's in the PR marketing kind of role, whose job it is to um, make sure that you're collating everything that's being said, good or bad, presenting that to management or presenting that at least to a team, and then be also have the facility and the authority to be able to go in and actually say something to that person on the Twitter stream or on that blog or whatever. You've got a, a viewpoint there that um, this is the devil's advocate, the annoying one, because I, I agree. I think that they should have evangelism, PR, whatever you want to call it, um, especially online um, and looking at what uh, what bloggers um, big and small are saying I think it'd be, it's really really important however they still make a lot of money and um, yeah, they don't have O2 and Carbon Warehouse at this particular point they don't have um, uh, any any online PR that we're aware of um, they're still making money Dan still stood eight and a half hours got his iPhone it's not entirely working for him he's still putting up with it well I, well, I don't know about still putting up with it I well, think, okay. uh, <laughs> you know you're, you're if you like complaining but then uh, you're still an 18-month contract. You're probably going to continue. Uh, how much do these companies? Yeah, if all of a sudden they start losing money, then I mm. think it, um, they change their strategy. Well, the thing is, I mean, there's a certain amount of yeah, okay, yeah, they're making money at the moment. But there's also a, it comes down to brand management and brand reputation. So you know, I've learned a lot about this over the past nine months. My boss is one of the ex-brand managers for MTV, and so he's all about the brand, so constantly feeding into what I currently do already. Um, and the thing is, okay, so Carphone and Warehouse make a load of money. Brilliant. Well, wouldn't it be lovely if they just weren't Carphone Warehouse, who we all think has got a stupid name, and then that place on the granite corner that sells phones? Um, wouldn't it be nice if, actually, now I trust Carphone Warehouse to sell me a phone because, actually, I know that they listen to me and I know what they're doing. So I can actually form a relationship with that brand and then recommend it, and then there'll be more word of mouth. It's not about make, losing money, any less money, but it's about actually making more money and engaging more with your consumers and building relationships so you can have longer-lasting relationships. You but there's, a, but there's a point where a company becomes so big that it doesn't need that. They, they have stores on every high street, and they, they make you know they make their money basically on people that go, I want a new phone, I'll walk down the high street, I'll go and phones for you, car phone warehouse and the operator shops, and I'll see who gives me the best deal. 
They don't make their money on people that go and do online research beforehand. They don't make their money on the people that are going to read my experience and go, oh, that's terrible, I'm not going to go to Carving Warehouse. But two years from now, things might be very different. I mean, yes, now they make all the money the way they do. This is, you know, constant traffic, constant stream of consumers. But things are moving to a much more digital, online understanding of where you go to find your products and stuff. And that is going right the way through society. So two, three years from now, maybe... Their reputation will be so damaged they'll go under if they don't do something now or soon. And picking up, later. picking up on that, Dan, at the, at the end of the post, I gave a link off to a recent piece of research that was saying about how um, almost 60% of consumers now are going online to find out opinions about their next, uh, to, to help them influence the decisions they're going to make about their next per, um, product purchase. So to say that what we're saying on the internet doesn't actually affect those guys walking down the street, well, it does. Uh, there's research out there to prove that it does. Do you think that if, if, yeah, if we published a survey saying, and I, I'm just assuming that let's say you know 70% of our audience says don't buy from Carrefour Warehouse, do you think that'd be enough to get their attention? I think I think the question the question would need to be worded differently because the audience that that we have here is um, they're not your average consumer, but they are the people that the people that know them who want a phone go to and talk to. Yes, yeah, so the the, the, um, the PR generally describe our audience words like you know influencers, influence the influencers. Uh, yeah, so theoretically speaking, our audiences, you know, our our opinions are very important, but they're not aggregated. I, I.e., it's Dan talking about it, or it's James, or it's me. Or, um, I wonder if we actually got everybody's opinion together and sent that over to Carbon Warehouse, what the response would be, and uh, you know, would that just be a traditional PR response, like, ooh interview one of our executives um, or you know would it be right okay maybe we need to pay attention with this, with this online thing and you know hire hire a James Watley <laughs> uh, Rebecca James. Freud is uh, is one is our contact and Dan's uh, Dan's met her he met her last week oh, cool okay yeah, she, she was very friendly and she was very nice and I also met I think it was Ruth who was uh, Carphone Warehouse's own PR person or one of their PR people the trouble was they were very helpful, and they did everything they could to help me with my problem. However, Carphone didn't give them the power to actually stand in and go, look, this is how we're going to fix it. Override the system with this. The manager didn't have the power to override the system. Basically, the people in the store are just there. They're just, they're just a, a friendly face to interface mm-hmm. between the computers and the customers. You know, There's mm-hmm. no difference there in me going in and typing my own details into the computer because there's nothing that the staff can do to override it. Good point. That's probably the best point, I think, from this conversation so far is that, you know, if you're going to put, whether you call them PR evangelists or whatever, in a position where they can help people, they have to actually be able to. They don't have this have this forum intervention team and they basically mm-hmm. go around trawling forums and things, looking for people with trouble, and then they intervene, as the name would suggest. Yeah. But do they, uh, you guys have had had experience with them, uh, you and, and James. Do they have the power to make a difference or are they just yeah, another they friendly face? Yes, they they do have the power to make a difference. Um, in regards, to, I mean, this is only this is only Vodafone that I can vouch for. Um, having friends there, but also having spoken to a couple of people just from a customer serv- on a customer service level, they they do make a difference because when I had a falling out with them about my broken N95, um, I got you know we know the story. You and put my post live at midnight. I got a phone call at 9 a.m. I had a brand new phone in my hand at 1 1 p.m. And all of my feedback gets fed back into they've got this thing called voice of the customer. So I, I phoned up Vodafone yesterday and said, look, I'm still really annoyed that I have to pay for every single picture message that I send. 
can you make it an official complaint? They said, yeah, we'll put that into our voice of, voice of the customer thing and it'll get reviewed and so on and so forth. So, it do, you know, it does make a difference. It does go in there. Admittedly, I'm still paying for my MMS, but we'll see how, if that changes and the next pricing comes around. But as soon as everyone finds out about that, they then become overwhelmed with people calling in and saying, you know, I want this, or emailing in saying, can we do this? Can I have a complaint about this? And then it just becomes just another overworked call center. Well, can I, can I just take B Internet as an example? So B Internet I've used for I don't know, about two years now. And uh, funnily enough, I believe they're owned by O2. Now, they are owned by O2. Now, B there are the best customer service experience I've ever had. And they do this in a number of ways. The way that they do it in the first place is that if you ever have an issue, which is exceedingly seldom, they've got skilled technical people waiting to talk to you. Yeah, and they—I'm sure they offshore it. I'm sure it's probably in the Balkans, the, in the, somewhere, you know, in the east somewhere. But they all, can is, always fix it. It is offshore, but it's not—it's offshore, but it's not to one of the places you'd expect. Oh, really? Other thing that they do, and this is what is so genius, is that they send you a text message like six days before you're going to get billed. They send you a text message about three or four days before there's any downtime, as well as an email, and they manage any dissatisfaction possibilities beforehand. So in actual fact, the, the whole thing will scale very well if you just, A, make a good product, B, support it well from the outset. So this whole, like, you know, this whole churning problem of customer dissatisfaction is solvable at the source. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Things of the week. Ewan, what's your thing of the week? My thing of the week is not really... A, uh, a mob- no, normally, I like to have mobiles or mobile applications, generally. Mine is an Agfa Bluetooth photo frame. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I saw these things have been... Uh, uh, there, there was one that's uh, been released recently, and I um, dropped a note over to the, uh, the PR and said, look, can I, can I get one um, just to trial? And they sent it over, and it is a piece of brilliance. I mean, I've been I've been admiring them in John Lewis or wherever I've been. You know, and we, you, you see these Bluetooth frames. But this, um, well, well, photo frames. But this one is Bluetooth. So I really like the idea of being able to sit down on the sofa and go, mm, yeah, actually, send, um, and disconnect to it, and send the picture via Bluetooth. It works really, really well. I'll, I'll have some pictures up of that uh, shortly. You can, of course, plug in your um, your Nokia. Or, or any handset with a USB, or you can plug it into a computer and it will act as a, as a, a storage unit and, or a mass storage unit. You can just copy your pictures onto it. So is it, it's just Bluetooth? There's no Wi-Fi in this thing? Don't, no, no, there's, no, that's, no, there's not. Um, no, no Wi-Fi. I think that would obviously increase the cost a little bit more. I can't if I've read about this or if I made it up or if I dreamt about it or somebody was talking about making one. But like, like what you say, like a, like a, a frame... But you can so I'd get this frame, this magical frame that I'd buy for me mum, for instance, right? Yeah. And this this frame is linked to my Flickr account. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. Is that um, I was chatting to a couple of guys who work for a mobile network operator. I won't say who they are, um, but they were saying about how they're, they're both they're both uh, foreign, um, and they both have family abroad. And what they do is because they're, they're they've they've got families, they they've bought these frames, and they're just standard. I think they're eight-inch photo frames with Wi-Fi, and they ship them back home pre-configured to f- stream in their Flickr feed through RSS. If it works off tags, so I can just send a picture through Shozu and just tag something mum for my mum, and every single photo which is tagged for my mum will just appear oh, in that good idea. In my mum's room. If you've got a, if you've got an online system which will take your tags and make an RSS stream out of them, then yes, Mublog does that, incidentally. Hey, hey well done. <laughs> good, good plug there. Sam, what's your thing of the week? 
Um, I've got a couple of things a week, but they're they're both based on location. Um, surprisingly enough, then they're iPhone apps, um, which you can get with uh, from the App Store. Uh, one of them is called sorry. On. One of them is called Graffitio, um, yeah. and one of them is called Urban Spoon. Urban Spoon um, is is complete, pretty much useless uh, at the moment in the UK because it's only got a couple of locations in it. But what it is, it's uh, like, a bit like uh, when you type in a restaurant or something in Google Maps and it shows you the uh, the, the uh, restaurant locations and so on. What this does is it's got its own database and you load it up and it's a bit like a fruit machine with the three wheels. And one of the wheels is location, which it grabs for you. Uh, one of the wheels is uh, type of uh, restaurant, so like Indian, French and so on. And the other one is um, price, so cheap, medium-priced, expensive, ultra-expensive. And you just literally shake the iPhone, and the wheels spin, and it picks a restaurant that's nearby for you to try out, nice. which I think is great. Um, the other one is called Graffitio, which is, uh, again, a location-based app. It's a very, very simple app. picks up where you are and gives you uh, the ability to create or contribute to virtual walls and these walls are just like a, a forum so for example where i am there's someone across the river who's created a um a, a wall for their little estate that they live on and uh, there's a couple of people that have started chatting in there i think what's really fascinating about this is that it's a really amazing real world example of distributed localized um social tagging it's all about like me my staff where i am my social group but it's extensible through networks. So it's fascinating, and it's great to see it. Yeah, and it's, it's a, the two apps I've given are two very contrasting examples. One uses a database that's been pre-created and is lacking because of that. And the other one just basically gives you a blank canvas, and it's all about user-created content in that area. And as I said, it's very simple, but as it expands, I reckon it's going to be a really, really useful tool. James? I think of the week. My N95 8 gig. <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty sure... What? Is it is there something special about your one particularly, or is it just the N eight N eight five eight gig in general? Uh, my one, um, specifically yours. I could have used anyone anyone's. Well, mine mine's because it's tuned to what I want it to do. Really, um, last week after we recorded um, episode thirteen, I decided at about ten o'clock in the evening that I want to go to York to visit my girlfriend, and um, literally. That was the most romantic thing ever, by the way, James. Just to tell, uh, no, not anything else, but just James got on the train and he went, and it was very romantic. I, well I got a bus. I got on a bus. Uh, but anyway, I, all the information that I needed... That's, that's less romantic. Buses are less romantic. <laughs> there were no trains. There were no trains. Um, so basically, um, so Texperts made it, played a really big part of this. Um, Texperts originally was going to be my thing of the week, but the actual the use of my phone, and I use my phone to plan every single part of my journey. So the train, the coach... To train from my house to London, coach from London to York, and then a cab from York to the part of York where my girlfriend was staying. And everything that I needed to do on the way was um, completely done on my phone. And all the way there as well. I mean, Alfie just mentioned that, uh, you know, he, he knew I was going. I was chatting to him over G-Talk, I think, but using Agile Messenger to do that. I was at well, also checking my emails and making sure that my trains were on time, etc. So every single part of my journey... To this mission to York that I decided I was going at 10 o'clock in the evening, I got there about half past five in the morning the following day, was done on my Nokia N95 8 gig. And I would just, I, after after the whole thing was done, I just looked at my phone and think, I couldn't have done it without you. I could not have done uh, it without you. I'm not sure what's more romantic, your ode to your N95 or your trip to York. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing of the week. Alfie, do you have a thing of the week? No. 
Yes, um, I think I've got two actually, and they are both about location. Funnily enough, so there's something in the air there, I think, Dan. You, of course, coming from your shiny Jesus phone world where everything is wonderful and new and application-based. But for me, it's uh, the first is quite simply assisted GPS tagging on images because until now, there haven't really been that many handsets doing it. Uh, the N78, the N82, the forthcoming C905, the C702, I think, also both Sony Ericsson's. The iPhone, of course, means that without any user intervention, apart from clicking, yes, record location into your images, there is now this massive consumer vein of data that previously just didn't really exist. You know, Flickr had some, and you could do some stuff, but now we're going to start seeing this explosion of location-aware content. So yes, AGPS is my thing of the week. Um, and then I've been playing a little bit with the more of the mapping stuff on uh, the Nokia N82 I'm using. And it's the thing is, it's all really good and everything, right? The Nokia maps and great, but it's still not that usable somehow. But you can do a lot with it. I, I saw on um, a video on Shiny Media, I think it was, it was a guy, all right, I'm going to go and find my friend. She's hiding in a bush 500 meters or a kilometer away from here or something. And he, uh, she basically set her location on the Nokia. Then he received that location, and then he went and he found her. She was hiding in a bush. So I think that that also, the ability to actually locate people around you, uh, is going to be really critical once the UI gets a bit better because the UI right now is just a bit iffy for me. Um, so now to marry the two things of the week for me together, you've got AGPS content, right? And that's being used in the different online social services or photo sharing places that's being mapped to that person's user account. Now let's marry that user account to the handset and then let's marry that person's relationship with the person they're finding in a bush and their relationship across those photo sharing networks and you've got something really fascinating because you've got um, shared content that's already location aware. Um, so those are my two things of the week, and that's why they're good together. Excellent. So uh, I think that's everything we uh, we have time for, isn't it? Thanks to uh, thanks to a special guest, Alfie Denon. And uh, oh, I'm not, thanks I'm not for that listening. Special, but thanks thanks for having me. You're very special. <laughs> thanks, guys. Till next time. Cheers. Cheerio, guys. Nice thanks one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on smstextnews.com.